The miracle of Christmas is that Jesus became a child, and we've been exploring what it means to have a childlike faith during the holidays this year, and we're going to look today at the life of Jesus and how we can learn from him, especially in the way he interacted with children. I'm John Fuller, joined by Jesse Floria and Kim Troby, and uh, I'm curious, you two, when you think back to that first Christmas, uh, I wonder if there's a, a favorite depiction of Christmas that comes to mind. I do have a favorite. Uh, Back in the early 70s, I was only about six or seven years old, and I lived in the Christmas city of the Sandhills in Nebraska. It used to be decorated every Christmas really beautifully, and we had an outdoor pageant that uh, Nebraska Public Television would come out and uh, film every year. And so when I was about six, I was chosen as one of the angels that would be Uh part of this, which I'm sure people were snickering about because I was the baby of the family and quite dramatic and not always angelic. So uh, I was chosen to be a little angel and it was outdoors in Nebraska in December. So go figure, right? Freezing. So I was bundled bundled up. up, Yes, I'm bundled up and I have long brown hair and this uh, black cap on with a tinsel halo on, and I'm kneeling in the snow in my boots, right? And it's cold. And so my leg is moving back and forth, and I'm moving all over the place. And what ended up happening was they spent more time, I think, with the camera on the little angel moving around because she was so cold than they actually did on the birth of Jesus that was going on. But I just remember as I was, you know, distracting everyone during that time, Just how beautiful the whole story was to me, even as a little girl, that this husband and wife would come together and have this child that really wasn't theirs, Mm. right? Yeah, yeah, they were adopted parents in a sense. Right, right. And just the the music around that mm. and the beauty of that was impactful, even for a little kid. That's wonderful mm. to hear all these years later. And uh, <laughs> how about you, Jesse? You know, when it comes to depictions, um, I'm a big fan of The Star, which was an animated movie that came out about five years ago and uh, did a, a surprisingly good job of sticking to the biblical narrative. And it's something that I watch with my grandkids uh, every year because it really does tell the story of, of Mary and Joseph. Now, it's from the donkey's point of view, mm. uh, but the birth of Jesus is just such beautiful animation and the music is, is so fantastic that yeah, I just really like that movie. No, that's wonderful. We're going to hear now from uh, Jody Burnt, who is a wonderful person. Person, and she talks about a Christmas pageant that she saw that left a lasting impression. I love Christmas pageants. I love when all the kids in the church come together. And I know it's the same script every year, at least in our church, but it's never predictable. And in that sense, it just reflects for me, who God is. You know, we may know Him, but He's always got a surprise for us. Like one year, uh, I go to a very traditional church, um, but somebody got it in their head that we needed live animals, and we don't have big stages and lights and things like that. We've got hard pews and kneeling benches, but somebody went to a local farm, and they brought these animals out, and there were no camels, but there were llamas. But what nobody factored on was that these llamas bit, 
And so my poor husband, he grew up on a farm, and they said, well, you have to lead the llamas then. So poor Robbie found himself cast suddenly in the role of a wise man leading a, a llama up the aisle, and it just was so funny. And then another year, um, our, our church had gone through a split, and the youth group was pretty decimated. There weren't a lot of kids showing up week after week, and our daughter was cast as the Virgin Mary and tasked with recruiting people for the other parts in the play. And so she just began asking her classmates and peers, and I'll tell you what, it was my favorite pageant ever. Um, The angel, uh, he was a boy that had vividly white golden hair, and it just looked like a halo, even without spotlights and things on it. She got a Moses who was actually Jewish from her school, and I just loved having a, you know, Jewish young man reading these commandments. It's part of our, our pageant. Or um, she also found an Isaac, and this was a boy who was known to be a troublemaker in the school. The parents knew, oh, you got to be careful if your kid went over to his house, whatever. I mean, we all loved him, but, but he, that was his reputation. And he said he'd be Isaac because he wanted all the parents to see him in the Christmas pageant and think that he was a good kid. Well, his costume came with a wig and a beard and a clothing that totally hid his identity. So there he is, you know, up there reciting scripture without getting any credit for who he was. And it was just, I just had to laugh at, at this cast of characters, a bunch of teenagers come together to proclaim the good news of Jesus, you know, whether they'd ever heard it before, whether they'd heard it every year, but it was just a wonderful surprise and it really felt like it might have been the real thing with a bunch of teenagers who didn't really know what was going on on that very first Christmas, but they knew it was wonderful. Well, that's a sweet story from Jody Burnt. And uh, let me turn to you, Kim. We learn a lot about Jesus' life um, in the scriptures. We see him as an adult, and uh, we have kind of the privilege of seeing how Jesus hung out with kids. So you're smiling even as I as I reflect <laughs> I on that. So why yeah. why why is that meaningful to you? I'm a big fan of Jesus and kids. <laughs> yeah, and I just think that uh, the way that we're shown in the scriptures, the way that he treats them, and how he talks about um, you have to have faith like these. Don't turn them away. One of the things in resilient kids that we teach the parents is listen to your kids. And one of the things that we hear the most from parents who've gone through the class is, I didn't realize how many great ideas they had until I had the light bulb moment that I should just stop and listen to them. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of anything more true about Jesus than the fact that he is willing to stop and listen anytime to us. Yeah. Jesse, how about you? You know, I, I wish there were more stories of Jesus and children in the Bible because, you know, positive there were lots of interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, like John wrote, he's like, if I included everything that Jesus did, it would fill all the books in the entire world, right? So, yeah. uh, but I think my favorite story with Jesus and children is in Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus calls that child over to him and says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus goes on to say something that hits me right in the chest uh, because of my work with kids. He says, if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better for them to have a millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the sea. Mm -hmm. And that's sobering. And something my team and I talk about all the time is like, we have to get this right. When you're ministering to a child, you have to be able to share the truth 
in an age-appropriate way that they'll understand and be able to apply to their lives and build that foundation in Christ that will just last their entire lifetime. So um, that's something that means a lot to me. Well, like you two, I both have pictures of Jesus interacting with children in my head, and there's not a a passage uh, that specifically identifies this kind of a posture, but I see him um, reacting to infants like I do uh, when I travel. I watch people on planes most people see a little baby and they just light up. They want to play Mm -hmm. (laughs) peekaboo or they're like, oh, mom, you're doing a great job. We just have this warmth and openness to children. And I can't help but think Jesus saw every child and smiled at some point along the way because children are just a delight. They're a gift from God. And certainly during this season, it's wonderful to have that mindset And uh, we asked a number of Focus on the Family staff members how they're encouraged by Jesus and his interactions with children, and here's what they shared. When it comes to kids and Jesus, I always think of the story where um, the mothers brought their children to Jesus and just let, let them sit on his lap, and he loved on them. And the thing that always gets me is... God invited them to sit on his lap. They got to hear God's heartbeat and and experience God's love. Right there with skin and bones, I mean, they were sitting in God's lap. And I always wonder what that would be like and how those kids grew up with this amazing story of, I sat on Jesus' lap. What difference did that make? And I think that's always affected me when I think of childlike when it comes to faith, when it comes to Christmas and wonder, and always wondering, wow, what must that have been like to have Jesus hug you and bless you? That's always just stuck with me. I feel like I kind of, that helps play into the gift giving I like to give or do with my younger siblings. You know, growing up, money was tight. And now that I have the ability to kind of give them the gifts and like I guess the childhood that I didn't get, I had a great childhood, like it's not bad. Um, But kind of the childhood that uh, I didn't get, it's just, it's been such a joy to kind of just see that joy on their faces Christmas morning. Oh my gosh. Just the way that Jesus treated every single child with gentleness and love is such a testament to the Christmas season and how he sent his son out of love to earth. Like it's such a beautiful representation. It's the most beautiful gift um, that I think about at Christmas time. I think it's so easy to get caught up in like the gifts and everything, but remembering, you know, from a childhood perspective, I was always obsessed with the gifts and forgot about how the number one gift is Jesus, um, how it was sent out of love. And I think that kids have this beautiful faith that is unmatched because it's it's almost like a blind faith, which is really what believing in God and what he's done for us is. Um, it's just a beautiful without any kind of anything holding them back. Um, it's a beautiful representation of faith um, as a child because as a, as a kid, I didn't even question it. I was like, yeah, this is what I believe. And so I think it, as we get older, it's kind of harder to still maintain that blind trust so I think that the way that God treated kids and having that child look, uh, childlike faith is so beautiful to remember at Christmas time. When I think about Christmas, when I think about the joy that you see in kids as they 
as they experience the, the anticipation of Christmas Eve, when they open their presents on Christmas morning, when they um, do all the things that you see kids do, it reminds me, I think, that of the joy that God has for his creation. I think that when he... Um, I think that, that, that God in some ways embraces that joy, that love of life that little kids experience so much more easily than we do as adults. And Christmas for me is a reminder that even as cynical, jaded, tired adults, we need to, we need to keep in mind that, that life is a joyful experience. Life is meant to be embraced and treasured. And that, uh, that everything from a soft snowfall on Christmas morning to a warm day in June um, to a moonlit night, these are all moments that are gifts, that are truly gifts. And sometimes um, in our day-to-day world, we can forget how, how many gifts we've really been given. Yeah, I mean, I like, like to think I'm tender all times of the year, not just around Christmas, but uh, it's a good reminder that Kids are drawn to happy people. They're drawn to lighthearted people, gentle people. And so when the tensions may be rising or the frustrations may be escalating, uh, it's good to, to be reminded of that and to envision, you know, would a child want to be around me right now? And what can I do to kind of write that attitude that I may be struggling with, that frustration, and, uh, you know, be, a, be that person that our kids would want to be around not to be their best friend necessarily or to be the greatest person ever, but to have that pleasant spirit that draws the kids in and makes them want to be around you as opposed to um, you know, off playing a video game or out playing with their friends even. The way Jesus treated children and that he called them to him and was so loving to them, it just is absolutely the heart of God uh, for all of us. He could see their innocence, their blamelessness, I think. I think that if you can see a child for who they are, the innocent wonder in their eyes, not their behavior. So I think that was, I think thinking about it, the most impactful to me is if you look at Jesus, he wasn't telling children to settle down. He wasn't telling them to sit down or, or stop talking so much. He just gathered them to him. And so it wasn't about their behavior. It's about who they are. And I think that we can learn that, take that example, to look at a child at not what they're doing, but who they are. I think about like scripture when Jesus talks about having childlike faith and just how like the least of us is like can be the greatest and I think about children because he always talks about their faith and I feel like sometimes like society they like paint children to be like annoying or like they're like oh you don't want kids around they like suck out the fun and like I really love being around kids and like just seeing how cheerful and lighthearted they are because um, I feel like we can also learn from their like childlike faith and also their like eagerness and just their excitement and kind of just being able to like relax and enjoy life as it is. 
I think Jesus becoming a child, a human babe, uh, really just shows me the love of God. There's a lot of things you could say about his power and how he planned things out and how he had things uh, predestined uh, to happen or not to happen. And yet at the same time, for a person of the Godhood to come down into the most defenseless, messy, irrational <laughs> uh, position you could be in, which is that of a baby like Jesus. And what they say is like, he was, he was fully human and he was fully man, but he was fully human. So Jesus was an irrational baby. He would pick up a spoon, put it down, pick it up and cry. I, in my pride, even though I may love somebody a lot, in my pride, I don't know if I could put myself in that type of position. Uh, fight to the death, sure, maybe. You know, lay down my life, oh, sure. But to put myself not just in a heroic stance or a conqueror stance or all these other things, but to put myself in the most helpless position possible because of the love that I had for somebody, that's an insane thought process to me. And it really kind of breaks all human understanding, even though it's a uniquely human thing. It's really good for us to reflect on how Jesus valued children, and his example really can motivate us to make a difference in the world. And right now, uh, we're going to hear from Focus President Jim Daly as he reads an article called Fill in the Blank, All I Want for Christmas. It's been called the paradox of Christmas, the fact that the creator of heaven and earth gave up what he had so that we might receive what we need. It's in this ultimate selfless act that we find the origin of exchanging gifts between loved ones and friends. We try and find that perfect gift to communicate our affection for each other. In many circles, the tradition has been trivialized and commercialized, but this is why we give, to be reminded that God so generously gave us the gift of his son on that first Christmas. But here's another paradox of the season for me, especially this year. When I was a child, beyond the necessities of life, my needs were minimal, yet I was rarely satisfied. I always wanted one more G.I. Joe, one more toy under the tree. I was convinced that I was always just a few dollars shy of all my dreams coming true. Now, nearly half a century later, and blessed with a wonderful wife and two growing sons, I see life differently. As the breadwinner of our family and tasked with juggling all types of responsibilities, both personally and professionally, there are times when I am nearly overwhelmed by it all. Yet, unlike when I was a child, it really doesn't take much to satisfy me anymore. I feel like my needs are minimal. I find joy in the simplest of things and realize that in any case, all the money in the world wouldn't buy what I really want for Christmas. Looking around the world these days, cutting through the fog and fear of worldly anxiety and desire, here is what I want. I want every child to grow up in a home with a mom and dad, with parents who tuck them into warm beds on cold nights with a kiss, a hug, and prayers of assurance. I want the most innocent of the vulnerable among us, preborn children, to be protected under the rule of law. I want God's gift of marriage to be celebrated, not redefined. I want our nation's school children to walk in and out of their classrooms with a spirited and excited spring in their step, not looking over their shoulder or wondering if their school is safe. 
I want a world where we celebrate, not denigrate, our pastors, these brave and courageous individuals who extend God's love to all people and who preach the gospel with boldness and courage. I want to live in a colorblind society among people who see the character of a person, not the pigment of their skin or their place on the social class ladder. I want our leaders to respect our religious freedoms and not to force us to choose between violating our conscience and following the laws of the land. I want peace, not war, militarily, politically, physically, socially, and emotionally. Mind you, I am not naive. Ever since sin entered the world in the Garden of Eden, paradise has always been beyond our reach. But it is good, I believe, to look up from the misery and consider the miracle that is Christmas, the grand miracle, as C.S. Lewis so aptly put it. In his own words, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being, into time and space, down into humanity, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he has created. But he goes down to come up again and bring the ruined world up with him. One has the picture of a strong man stooping lower and lower to get himself underneath some great, complicated burden. He must stoop in order to lift. He must almost disappear under the load before he incredibly straightens his back and marches off with the whole mass swaying on his shoulders. As we pause to celebrate the birth of Jesus, let us lift up our eyes and ponder anew the miracle of Christmas. And on a personal level, what is it that your heart desires most of all this time of year? From our house to yours, Merry Christmas. Well, that's a wonderful perspective from Focus President Jim Daly about how the Christmas story still impacts us today. And Jesse and Kim, each of you have the privilege of working with kids in, in different capacities here uh, at Focus on the Family. Um, how does God's love inspire you in your work with children? Well, John, I think that through Resilient Kids and our program Raising Highly Capable Kids, we see that children really depend on the people who are caring for them for instruction and guidance and to tell them how to live in this world. And so God does that with each one of us mm. in everything that we do. So every day when I go to work, I'm reminded that as we reach out to parents and help them learn how to parent more effectively, we're impacting their children in a way that um, I couldn't if I was trying to go to every one of their houses every day and talk with them individually. They need those parents to be strong and helpful and wise. Mm -hmm. And man, that's an important part of my job yeah, well, with that, them. That's a wonderful aspect of what Focus on the Family does. It's not a billboard kind of program for us, but thank you for your work with Resilient Kids mm -hmm. and uh, raising highly capable kids. Jesse, you've been, as I said earlier in another episode, you kind of a youth pastor to kids. Uh, what motivates you? Yeah, it, it's it's really God's love, like you were talking about. That's It's God's love that changes lives. It's his love that's a light in a dark world. And uh, so his love influences everything I do, not just my work here at Focus, um, 
but everything, even speaking at Awana to, to kids there. So really my prayer is that I don't get in the way of communicating God's love to kids. Mm. Uh, I want our readers and the listeners to our podcast to know the depth and the height and the uh, just the, the never-ending quality and power of God's love and the fact that they, they can't do anything to earn it. Um, you know, it's, it's not based on them. It's just based on on God's love and how much he loves them. And of course, at Christmas, that love is so on display, right? And then the classic John three sixteen, you know, God loved the world so much. He sent his only son uh, to rescue us from sin. And so, yeah, especially this time of year, uh, it's, it's God's love is just at the forefront of my mind. That is just a wonderful place to end this episode on. You, you really are both wonderful thinkers, deep thinkers, big hearts, and I so appreciate uh, the opportunity we've had to hang out here uh, on this podcast. To our listeners, there's still time to sign up for our free online Advent devotional, which is going to help you and your children connect with God's love on a deeper level. Uh, you're going to be able to see different themes. You can go back and make up for those couple of weeks you've missed here so far. Check the show notes for the link to the free online Advent devotional. And if you've been encouraged by the ministry of Focus on the Family in any way through this podcast or through resources, uh, maybe you've talked to our counselors in any way, please consider supporting us financially. This is a really critical time for the ministry as uh, we wrap up the calendar year. And your donations fuel the work we do to support families, to raise up the needs that kids have and to try to meet those needs uh, through parents and through so many resources uh, for children that we create. Your donation will make a big difference. We encourage you to donate today. And uh, when you join the support team, we'll send a copy of 25 Days of the Christmas Story, an Advent Family Experience. It's a terrific little book for those with younger children. It makes a great gift or for use with children in your church. Uh, Get a copy today when you make a donation of any amount in support of the work of Focus on the Family. We'll have all the details in the show notes. Well, again, Kim and Jesse, it's been a privilege working with you. Thank you for uh, joining me in the studio here. John, it's always fun to hang out with you. Hey, everyone within the sound of my voice, have the best Christmas ever this year. Yeah, really. Merry Christmas to everybody, and thanks for including me in this podcast. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) And thank you for joining us for this episode and this season of the Christmas Stories Podcast. God wants true disciples, ones that think like Him, talk like Him, walk like Him, disciples that bring shalom to the chaos of this world. Pursue that path with the RVL Discipleship Series. Bible scholar Ray Vanderlaan will give you the tools to understand the Bible more deeply and inspire you to be a passionate follower of Christ. Watch the first episode at rvldiscipleship.com.